Welcome to the Enlightened Discipline Podcast with Scott Stoffer, a certified financial planner in Silicon Valley. The Enlightened Discipline Podcast is about moving you and your family towards better wealth. This podcast is purely educational. It's Scott's way of paying it forward, helping people make better financial decisions. And now, on with the show with Scott Stoffer and co-host Matt Halloran. Over the next few podcasts, we're going to go over the 10 steps to better investment experience. But today, we're going to go through something that's very complex. And I'm really excited to walk through this with Scott because he's got a really good way to put all of this into perspective because we're going to talk about understanding market pricing. So, um, Scott, to start off here, can you explain what market pricing means? Sure. You know, uh, I always like to say that, that everything we need to know about marking pricing is in a pencil. That's it. Pretty oh, short podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's unpack um, that a little bit, brother. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually, you know, in 1958, there was a, an essay that, um, that, that a guy by the name of Leonard E. Reed wrote, and it was, I pencil my family tree as told to Leonard E. Reed. And, uh, you know, his essay was narrated from the point of view of a pencil. And basically it describes the complex, you know, combination of miracles needed to create a pencil. And so if we if we sort of step out of that and, and look at it from a, an academic perspective, the whole idea of understanding market pricing is based on some work by a, a professor and Nobel laureate, um, Eugene Fama, who in 1960 sort of theorized the efficient market hypothesis. And, uh, and his research was basically identified that professional investors had a poor track record of beating the market by stock picking. You know, when you take away their costs of trading and, and management, they rarely did a better job than the market. And he said this underperformance was because markets price information efficiently, driving prices of stocks and bonds to their fair market value. All right, but, but what does this have to do with a pencil? <laughs> Good question. You know, the story of a pencil is really a great analogy for markets and how pricing actually works. Um, you know, a pencil is just made up of four items. We've got graphite, cedar, uh, the wood, uh, metal, and rubber, and maybe a little bit of paint. And, and that's it. It's a super simple and inexpensive item to purchase. But the, the, the thing here is no one person can make it. It's the end result of a vast, complicated economic market that reflects market pricing. So the idea is that there are millions of people all around the world involved with making a pencil. You know, they're all using their specific knowledge about their costs, materials, constraints, and efforts to set prices to exchange goods in the process of, of making a living for this pencil. You know, the graphite comes from, you know, two countries outside of the U.S. The wood typically is cedar wood that's grown in the northwest of, of the United States. Um, you know, all these different people are, are coming together. And, and so the idea is to cut the cedar wood requires a saw, but to make a saw requires steel and to make steel requires iron and the iron has to be mined and smelted and shaped. A truck, a train or a boat is needed for the transportation to get the wood to the logging facility. And, and then the list just goes on and on and on, whether it's the farmers, the loggers, the drivers, the boat captains, the machinists, designers, all the people who are supporting them in their jobs, the places they need to live, to sleep at night, the food they need to eat to keep them going for their jobs, all the different people who provide training and support for them. If you just 
step back and you look at the day of one of these workers, it becomes super clear that this is a complex process and it involves many, many people. And the idea that one person could create a pencil is, is sort of ludicrous. And, and sometimes what we'll do is we'll just look at the example of the farmer and the logger and the price of a tree. You know, the, the farmer, he knows what's involved in growing that tree from when it's just a sapling all the way up to where it can be harvested. You know, the logger, he knows what's involved with cutting down the tree, transporting that tree, uh, you know, sort of milling that tree. They each know what their costs and constraints and efforts are required to do their part. And each one of them is trying to maximize their profit. And when they agree to transact, when they agree to do business, they agree on a price. And that price that they agree to reflects all of their combined knowledge. So it's the price that allows them to efficiently allocate their time and energy and resources in seeking to make a profit for their efforts or, or to just make a living. So we, we, you know, your question was, so what does a pencil have to do with all of this? So a pencil is actually a great analogy for financial markets and the use of financial capital. There was a gentleman who was working on his PhD, and he wanted to figure out how much work it would take to create a fried chicken sandwich. So he did <laughs> everything, right? Yeah. yeah, so he did everything. He raised the chicken. Uh, he created, he made the bread. He grew the lettuce and the tomato. He made the mayonnaise. And it ended up that just for him and all of the time, it would have cost him like $800 to make one sandwich. And I think that's fantastic. And I love how you've broken all of this down. But let's dive a little bit deeper and, and the use of financial capital and, and how all of these things really start working together. Yeah, and, and that's a great little story, too. I remember reading that. And as I recall, when he actually ate his chicken sandwich, he, he said it was, it, was, it was good, but not as good as what he could get right. at a restaurant. That's right. Yeah, that was awesome. That was um, a good point at the end of it. So, you know, the, the funny thing is that in, the, in, in understanding market pricing, all these participants who are working, whether it's making a pencil, whether it's making a, a cellular phone that we all carry in our pockets. You know, we, we use the idea of a pencil because it's easy to, you know, there's only four ingredients and it's easy to think, oh, this thing is, is easy to make, but a phone is much more complicated. But again, in any market environment, all these participants are voluntarily agreeing to buy and sell their goods and services or to buy and sell their securities, right? That's what we're really talking about here with their specific knowledge about their needs and desires and, and what it's worth in the marketplace. And so each person has to set that price. And if I'm buying something from that person and, and I see their price, you know, I wanna get their item that I need for my product as inexpensively as I can. So I'm gonna be looking at other suppliers and you know, there's gonna be this back and forth where people are saying, oh, I can get it over here for a little cheaper and what's the quality like? And it's sort of this dynamic process where you know, the idea of the pencil is, is in the pencil market, no, no one is smarter, no one participant is smarter than anybody else. And it's silly to think that, that one participant can make a pencil all by themselves. No matter how smart they are, no matter how much research they do, the collective knowledge of all the people in the pencil marketplace is smarter than one individual who says, I'm going to go out and grow a tree and figure out how to make this pencil cheaper mm -hmm. than what the market knows, right? And the pencil market is smarter. And so what, what we do is we try to step back and look at this and understanding 
market pricing that in the financial markets, it's, it's an effective information processing machine. When we go out to the stock market, when we go out to trade, to buy something, to invest our, our hard earned dollars, there are millions of participants buying and selling securities in world markets every day. And the real time information that they bring helps set those prices. In fact, in 2015, the number of daily trades across the world was 98.6 million. So every day, about 98 million trades happen. Wow. And those trades reflect the marketplace knowledge of all of that, those prices. So stock prices really, at the end of the day, reflect all information available to traders on any given day. And as news becomes public, trading activity absorbs that information and prices it into the market. So with all this trading activity, the market is really self-correcting. If some people think a stock is overpriced, it's going to get bid down. If they think it's underpriced, it's going to get bid up. Almost instantaneously, stock prices are adjusting to all the relevant information. Well, and this is what Fama was talking about, right? So this whole, uh, you know, the efficient uh, frontier, um, you're breaking really a Ph.D. thesis. And this gentleman, isn't he still at uh, University of Chicago? He is, yeah. He's yeah. still teaching at the University of Chicago. And and for, for everybody who's listening today, uh, if you do um, – uh, Google Eugene Fama. It's unbelievable. Uh, this person uh, has been just incredibly uh, uh, scholastic and writes all the time and, and all of that. Now, there's a couple of different things here that I, I want to get back to, if you don't mind. Um, one of the things that you had said was, um, uh, you know, the information available to traders on any given day. So do you mind talking about the daily information and how you use that maybe differently than how other advisors might use it? Sure. Well, the idea would be, you know, sort of if, if you look at Wall Street, right, and, and Wall Street is the marketplace that's been created to try to help people, um, you know, with their investments over the long run. But Wall Street is very much also about its own profits. And so Wall Street likes to, likes to say that they can beat the market. That the idea is that they can find little nuggets of undervalued, uh, you know, prices or securities, and that they can trade on that information. But in reality, the ability for somebody to consistently do that, it, it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And and the idea that there is one person out there, or two people, or three people, who can look at the pencil marketplace, and come up with an idea or a way to see that one part of that marketplace is underpriced and that there's a, a undervalued stock there that you should buy over these other stocks. And in reality, we know that that's just not possible. And that's what Eugene Fama was, was all about. All the trading information, it gets reflected in what happens. And so rather than really trying to find uh, missed price securities, mm -hmm. you really first need to understand that that really doesn't work. Mm. And the idea is if, if we start by understanding market pricing, you know, this thought of how can we compete against that collective knowledge, you just can't. And, and that is what the efficient market hypothesis is all about. The average investor cannot profit from attempts to beat the market through stock picking. It's a fool's game. And, and to truly beat the market, you don't just have to be above average, you have to be better than nearly every other market participant. And when I come back to that pencil idea, mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, how can I know better what the price of a tree is, what the price of a saw is, 
and the people who are in that marketplace constantly exchanging those prices every day. And they have people, uh, Wall Street and big firms have people who look at the the tree, right? They get all the way down into the tree is what, and I might not be hearing you right, is that collective knowledge is that worth uh, an investor's time to read all of the prospectus and to you know double check and triple check everything that's in a mutual fund or all of the things that go into an ETF or a stock? Help us understand that a little bit more because there's so much information out there, Scott, and that's you know we're buried with information. I mean we're buried with play-by-play results on what the stock market did at the end of every single solitary day. And what I'm hearing you say is that doesn't necessarily matter as much for the long term. Yeah, you're right. And, and we're going to get into that. You know, we're talking about the 10 steps to a better investment experience, really trying to help individual investors understand what they can do to what 10 steps are that they can take to, to have a better investment experience. And so we're going to get into a lot of that in the other steps. But first, we needed to understand the idea that market pricing that what happens in the marketplace of the stock market, we needed to see that that the story of a, making a pencil provides a glimpse into this incredibly complex tapestry of markets, you know, and how prices are formed. And the story makes clear that no single person possesses enough ability or know-how to make a pencil. And whether it's pencils, calculators, phones, food production, whatever, regardless of what it is, the marketplace, the efficient market hypothesis states that the market really does reflect, you know, a fair market value and that we shouldn't get caught up in this idea of trying to find mispriced securities. We're going to talk a lot about that in the other nine steps. But I think for investors, the real lesson here is that instead of fighting the market, you should embrace market pricing. You should Hmm. pursue an investment strategy that efficiently and effectively harnesses the extraordinary collective power of how market prices work. And then in our next podcast, we'll be talking about how you shouldn't, you know, the idea is don't try to outguess the market. So once we understand market pricing, the next thing to do is once we understand it, don't try to outguess it. Got it. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I, and I'm, I'm glad that you've taken some time to to educate the listeners today on this because, you know, uh, you'll be at a dinner party and somebody will say, you know, well, I heard that titanium prices are going through the roof, and people say, well, then I need to invest in everything that has to do with titanium. But the funny thing is, is the market already knows that, right? The 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 efficient frontier, everybody who uses titanium is already aware that the titanium prices are going to go up, and it's going to be priced in accordingly. Is, is that another example yeah. that works? It- it's it's a great one, and the idea of getting you know stock research tips from your um, you know office parties or cocktail hours is just um, one of the worst things you can do. <laughs> um, so, but hey, one more thing uh, before we finish up, you know this this story of the pencil. There's actually um, a really neat YouTube video that uh, talks about this, and so check out our podcast notes um, online. You'll we'll put a link to this uh, YouTube video. And then we're also going to have, you know, the 10 steps to a better investment experience, a little handout that you can download as well. Um, so check those things out in the podcast notes. And our next podcast is going to be Don't Try to Outguess the Market. Today we talked about understanding market prices with the overall podcast series that we're going to be working on, which is 10 steps to a better investment experience. Thank you, Scott. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for listening to Enlightened Discipline. Brought to you by Better Wealth, proudly serving Silicon Valley for over 15 years. 
Our podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at betterwealth.us, where Scott will share his insight on how to stay on track, in control, and achieve what matters. 